Hi, I'm Jennifer Mulholland. And I'm Jeff Shuck. We're the co-leaders of Plenty. Thanks for joining our podcast, Plenty for Everyone. Each episode, we talk with conscious leaders like you to explore abundance in work and life, fulfillment in head and heart, and ways we can all work together to make this world a better place. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today to Plenty for Everyone. We have a special episode where we're going to share with you an interview that Jeff and I had the pleasure of doing as we were invited by three students, Vanessa, Charlotte, and Tanae, who are studying a master's degree in strategic leadership towards sustainability at the Blackinge Institute of Technology in a beautiful city of Sweden called Karlskrona. So we had this really thoughtful, wonderfully stimulating, I think for us, conversation about how nature plays a role in leadership and how we help executives and managers and entrepreneurs and conscious leaders from all over the world really tuning into themselves by tuning into the gifts of nature outside. So we'd love for you to tune in. Jeff, I'd love to have you share a few words as well. It was really a delightful conversation and we're thrilled that they found us to do an interview. Yeah, you know, stuff like that is happening more and more and it's really fun. I think it's validation for us that we're reaching the people we wanna reach. And look, it's nice to be thought of and it's especially nice to be thought of people from Sweden, you know? I think this is our first interview with Swedish, and I hope it's not our last. Particularly, we really enjoy talking with students. We have always enjoyed talking with college students and more and more their students studying sustainability and social purpose and purpose in business and leading consciously and all the things that we love. And, you know, with students, you get kind of maybe less worldly experience, but a lot of curiosity and great intent. So we just had this wonderful conversation with them. And I think it was just honestly delightful to that they even found us. And that felt great. And we there was a whole set of the interview that we didn't tape that we're not sharing, which is just asking them what they were studying and how they got into it. And really just, I think, made us excited for the future of the world that these kinds of people are going to be taking the reins. And leading us. We also had, and I'll bounce it back to you to riff on this a little bit. We also had a great conversation with them about where we live because they live in a lovely part of the world that we didn't even know about. And then when you look up this Karlskrona, it's an incredible city. And it's, I think, a little bit after our hearts, Jen, it's not in the most traveled corner of the world. You know, you you and I have both made choices to live outside of large metropolitan areas. And sometimes that's difficult. It's not always an easy choice, but it more than is made up for in the quality of life that you get and just being connected with nature. So we had a a chance to talk with them about too. And I I loved, I loved just hearing where they were and what they saw out of their window every day. Yeah. It was refreshing around choosing where you live, choosing where you work, 
choosing how you do it all and the intentionality of using nature. You know, we, you and I have been just um, nature lovers at heart and really value space and what happens when we can get outside, what happens to our minds, what happens to our hearts and how it really promotes well-being. And it's sometimes it's harder when you're living in a city, when you don't have immediate access to the woods or to the lake or to the ocean or to the mountains. And so it has been such a important part of building our own private retreat center here in Park City, Utah, called Heart Space, and how we weave nature into our curriculum here when we do our retreats, but also as much as we can on Zoom of inviting people to get outside. And it's neat that they are actually quantifying the value of nature, and they've found such uh, results, if you will, in performance when people um, can get outside and in work and play. So we hope you enjoy this conversation. It was rich and delightful, and uh, we thought you'd like to eavesdrop in on the conversation and hopefully find value and maybe come into one of our retreats here to experience it for yourself. Well, and one other thing I want to tag on that I think is fascinating about what they're studying is the change in climate is one of the challenges of our time, challenges of the millennia. And their thesis is, you know, you can't really be a great advocate for preserving the environment if you don't get out in the environment. And the more that you are out in the climate, the more that you experience the respect and devotion and commitment that you need to help the world navigate through climate change. And I loved that piece of it. You know, it's not exactly what we do, but it is what we do. It's a, it's a undercurrent of everything that we do that the more that we're out in the world, the more that we respect what the world has to offer and we can do our part in preserving it. So, and hopefully it's, it's an antidote to the, the momentum that's being created with the multiverse and more Zoom meetings and more technology and more people working from home. So requiring people to be more on screen times, not less. And we hope that, you know, there's another way. And how do we balance the human interaction that we desperately need to thrive as a species, we are communal beings, we have to be together, and how we interrelate and co-create with Mother Earth and nature and experience her bounty that de-stresses us, that lowers anxiety, that increases oxygen to our blood and to our minds so we can think more clearly. Like We're talking about simplicity, right? And so hopefully this will be Mm. a reminder to all of us and a teaser to say we need balance in both. Yeah. So slap on some headphones, go for a walk and listen to this wonderful conversation. We hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much for listening. My name is Vanessa. Last name is Juan. I've grown up along the coasts of California and Florida, which has led me to be a bit of an ocean enthusiast. I've devoted years to volunteering and interning with aquariums and different environmental organizations working to educate and inspire conservation of the ocean to others. In my bachelor's, I studied communications at UCLA, and my professional experience to date consists of working within hospitality, travel, and special events industries, though I'm hoping to pivot my career a bit to incorporate sustainability after MSLS. Tina, would you mind introducing yourself? 
Sure. So my name is Christine, but please call me Tina. I'm from Austria, from the Alps, so from yeah the mountains in Tyrol. And I have a background in economics with a focus on tourism. And now I'm here in Sweden. I'm choosing a more concrete path with sustainability. But I'm still close to the hospitality industry, also with some projects, family projects um, back home that I also keep busy with. Yeah, that's me. Jennifer, Jeff, wants to start. Ladies first. I knew you were going to say that. He always does that. Well, hi. It's so good to meet you both. My name is Jennifer Mulholland. I'm calling in from Park City, Utah, from our retreat center, Heart Space, which is right at the base of the beautiful mountains. I'm looking out my window right now. They're snow covered and yet melting in the spring. But I am Plenty's principal with Jeff. We co-own the firm. And a bit about my background that is hard to summarize, as I'm sure it is and with both of you and the dynamic lives that we all live. I have a background in healing and energy medicine and spirituality, executive leadership in the corporate world, and then as an entrepreneur, uh, starting my own businesses and being an executive coach that really was birthed from coaching on the field with the sport of lacrosse, which was and continues to be one of my loves and passions. And I would say a passion for strategy and really committed to up-leveling and helping raise the consciousness of people on the planet in whatever form that looks like. But that really satiates my desire and my purpose here to bring a whole bunch of left brain, right brain methodologies and approaches to the world to help people make this world a better place by realizing the tools and the just the amazing humans that we are. So more to say, but I get to to dance and co-lead with one of my best friends, Jeff Shuck. We've known each other for over 20 years and have been walking this united path for the last seven. So I will turn it over to you, Jeff, and let you introduce yourself. Lovely. Thanks for having us. Tina, I'm trying to remember, is it service? How would you say hello in like... (laughs) Yeah, um, servus. Yeah, my accent's probably terrible. Um, I'm in the middle of the U.S. in a state called Indiana, which is kind of nobody knows where it is. It's across the lake from Chicago. One of the reasons I live here, I'm gonna I'm gonna just give you a visual on my view this morning. So that's Lake Michigan. If you can see it, people nice. I tell people I live on Lake Michigan, and they think it's like a little lake. So you can tell by just where Jen and I both live. We both live in places that aren't the easiest place to get to. And we've chosen where we live based on respect for nature and wanting a kind of a more a life that's more in tune with the world around us. So Jen did a great job of, of explaining what we do. I would say that we help people live lives of purpose. We help organizations make a difference that matters and really Really excited to talk with the two of you, excited to know there are programs like this, you know, old enough to be in the space long, to be an old man, to say like there didn't even use, you couldn't even go to, to school for this. So despite everything that's happening in our world, I think we, we have an outlook that's positive because we meet people like you who are dedicating their lives to making the world better. So excited to hear what you want to talk about and uh, grateful to be here. Excellent. Thanks. You too. 
like us to just elaborate a little bit more on what we've seen from our research. We understand that the Lantern Leadership Retreat is a four-day experimental uh, retreat for executives, entrepreneurs, professionals. It utilizes an inside-out leadership development approach with various mindfulness exercises that helps participants increase self-awareness, find clarity and confidence, and align their passions with their purpose. We understand this work's done both indoor and outdoor group settings. That includes inquiry, conversation, coaching, and practice. You ask participants to complete a lantern leadership assessment that measures different perceptions of their approach to leadership using components of your leadership model. And it's designed to understand one's values and visions and their style and way of leadership. And then you also have Lantern Leadership 2, which is annual retreat for Lantern graduates that kind of builds upon their initial experience and helps them see how they've changed and grown. Is there anything else that you might want to add to this? Or No, are we done? You did yeah. great. <laughs> I give you an I give you an A. You get a hundred on this paper. I saw your website and I was like, I have to talk to these. Right. Two. They now you just them. have to come. Now yeah. you just have to come. Experience. I actually thought about that. Actually, I'm like, this will be a great segue after my program. Um, so I guess just diving into a bit of our questions. Then, what is the learning process that you move participants through? like maybe core elements that make up your program design? Yeah, maybe I'll start, Jeff, and you can add specifics. I think what we witness, I'll start from kind of a very large macro view. We witness people coming that are seeking a break. They're seeking a timeout to reflect. They can feel a nudging of a a call of a reinvention of change, whether that be in their relationships or career, big transitions, right? Where, okay, who am I now? What do I really stand for? What's my purpose being here? And oftentimes people come in really sped up because life is fast right now, right? And people are living busy lives. And we say that you know, we can feel that the hamster wheel, people are on that hamster wheel and they come in very heady, right? Very intellectual, trying to solve, figure things out. I have to work more. I have to effort more. And over time and over the days, the space that we've created at Heart Space and the way that we use the outdoor space with the magnificence of Mother Earth and nature is to help people really slow down and drop in and start to take their view or focus from outside to inside. And it really starts to, I think, stir questions around, you know, what do I stand for? What works for me? How does my body speak to me? How do I know when I know? How do I lead myself and then leave others from that place of alignment, that place of awakefulness? And between night one and day four, if you will, you can literally, we kind of joke, if you could take a picture, which actually now there's cameras that can do this, But if we could measure people's auric fields, like their energy field of how vital, how happy, how energized they are, 
the contrast from night one to day four is remarkable. Like they're glowing. And the purpose of Lantern is really to help people see their own light, to believe in the specialness and the sacredness and the unique talents and the unique expression that they are. And that is on a, on a broader level, kind of the container of transformation of, of, of helping people really see more fully who they are and sitting into that like really special juicy place of inquiry of, wow, I'm here for a reason. And this is what I'm here to do now. So maybe Jeff, you can add some more specifics because I purposely stayed broad. Um, We have a model. We have four principles that kind of help people navigate uncertainty, navigate life, navigate, you know, how they interact with their world, which sets the container for the journey they go through. Yeah, what I would, and every time we're on a Zoom with people who don't know us, there's a church across the street and the the bells start going off. So at random times, you know, it's 1140 in the morning. I have no idea why the bells are ringing. So that's usually the sign I should just be quiet. So if you can't hear me, I'm sorry. I, I think what I would add to that is like the word that comes to mind is integration is a core kind of theme underlying all the curriculum pieces. And like Jen said, there's a model and there's activities and things like that. But a huge part of it is, is the idea of integrating and people come in really split in a lot of ways. You know, we talk a lot about the split between the business and personal life and thinking that you have to pursue what you really care about at home or or a split between, you know, professional and spiritual. The idea that like, I can't express myself or I can't follow what I really love. And one of the splits I would have just observed is the the human-made world and the natural world. And a lot of Lantern is to try to integrate those things, right? To try to help you see, I don't have to be someone else at work, is, is a really basic. Like, I can actually share my views without, without mitigating, and in the same way I can do it kindly so I don't expect other people to have my views. I can experience the joy of creation and however I conceive spirit to be every day. I don't have to be somewhere special. And I think the, a real, you know, a real explicit part of the curriculum is trying to get at this, this disassociation with the natural world. So every day and almost every activity there's, it, it could be really simple things. Honestly, it's like, get outside, you know, we're going to break you into groups, go reflect, go walk around for 10 minutes and things that, Honestly, like it's, it's not always easy for us to even figure out how you write about that on the website because the split is so severe in how we live that there are either like nature retreats where you go away to Brazil and live in a tent for seven days or there's business retreats and we're neither of those. We're trying to say there's a way to incorporate, there's a way to incorporate and appreciate the world around us every day. So get outside draw on the inspiration that you see around you. You know, we hike to the top of a mountain. What does it inspire in you? We ask you to take a picture of an object in nature. What does it make you relate to? And a big part of it for us is a spiritual teaching that, and I use that word carefully because we want to try to show people that that spiritual to us means every day, something you practice every day, not something that you hide away on. Sunday or Saturday or whatever your Sabbath is, but there's a spiritual underpinning that we're part of this world. We're not separate from it. 
the world, you know, with the example I always use is the sun didn't rise at 7.07 this morning because your Apple iPhone said that that's when it came up, right? But like really simple things, so many of us run our lives to artificial human-made things. We get up way before the sun rises. We stay up way after it. Like just basic things like that of not even, it's not the start of spring because it was in your calendar. It's the start of spring because of how the earth rotates around the sun. And just in really simple ways, helping people see, like, I'm part of something. And so I have an obligation to it. But it fulfills, it fills me up too, right? There's a symbiosis. And we talk all the time about what we owe the environment. We don't talk as much about what the environment gives us. So I'll stop there. None of those points are necessarily explicit unless the class kind of takes us there. But that's definitely part of what we're trying to teach is you're a fabric of this world and we owe it something even as it gives us something. Yeah, and would just add one thing. I think part of Lantern and the work that we do actually in all of our business strategy and other offerings is helping to create a greater awareness of that integration. And so as Jeff's talking, we use nature as such the obvious metaphor that nature has a divine, like natural growth rhythms, natural cycles in tune with the sun and the moon that is not forced or man-made or man-architected. And so if that happens, if that's going on naturally outside of ourselves, it must be true inside of ourselves. And so what are those natural, like our breath, we, not, we like are given this gift of natural intelligence that knows how to breathe our body. Yes, we can kind of form it and control it, but we don't think about our breath 99% of the day. It's breathing us, right? And so for leaders, bringing that awareness and attunement to their own natural rhythms in relationship with their environment helps to take the pressure off because we don't have to then work so hard in domination, in control, in force. We can allow the natural rhythms within our journeys, our life paths, you know, our expression of our passions and our purpose to naturally kind of bud and blossom and grow and evolve just like it does in nature. Yeah. And that so we we could just we're just going to keep talking and not let you get a word in. <laughs> Welcome to the Jen and Jeff show. You don't really need to ask any more. Oh wait, questions. we're, we're <laughs> Tina and Vanessa here. Oh, wait, but you need to get some questions in. Sorry. <laughs> wait, one other thing. I just want to add because I don't know exactly what you're studying, but I'm and I'm interested, so I will let you talk. But I I think this disassociation and this is a personal viewpoint. We don't necessarily talk about this at Lantern, but this is one of the reasons that we have just completely fouled up the environment. And even the ways that we talk about sustainability are so self-serving, right? We talk about like saving the planet. The planet is going to be fine. The decision is, do we want to preserve the human species? Are we going to take down all living things with us? What way of life do we want to have at all costs? And what costs are no longer acceptable? The planet will correct itself. It's correcting itself now by booting us off of it. And so I think even the way like we talk about climate change, sustainability, they're kind of cloaked in these terms that allow people to separate themselves from it instead of like, no, th these are actually everyday decisions about how you want to live. What's the cost you want to extract from the way that you live? And 
I mean, there's examples all around again right now, sadly, of of all the consequences that happen when we when we act without thinking that we're at the center and we're we're not at the center of every decision as much as it's important to have a great self-image. So I'll stop there. Would love to hear what you want us to actually talk about, or we could just keep talking for the rest of the hour. No, it's wonderful program overview and really, yeah, great insights of how you kind of move participants through your program. I guess my next question would be, what is the most significant change do you think you observe within participants as you move them through your process? Maybe a couple of observations. I I think I spoke to it as like the recognition of self-worth. People, you know, we're living in such an epidemic that it's sneaky to not think that you're good enough or that you're not enough in some form, whether that's your body image or you compare with others or you haven't gotten to the impact or career level you want or you had a good marriage and then it fell apart or we're just, we're living in a time where there's a lot of disruption if you are not in alignment with yourself and soul and being. And so, you know, part of plenty, our whole ethos is to, create a world of plenty for everyone. And that, you know, stems from a couple of ethos and I'll, I'll just tie it back to this enoughness. One is there is enough, there's plenty to go around. There is enough to go around. And this idea that we're competing with each other, we really believe that that's a false illusion, that the competitiveness that we're feeling is we're competing with a mindset and that mindset is called scarcity. That idea that there isn't enough to go around. So I have to hold back and hide and compete with one another. The second principle is that you have enough, like we have enough resources. We don't need more. Like we don't need more consumption. Like we don't need the new car, the new house. Like, yes, those things feel good, but does that really help us feel happier right now? What if we were to look around and say, wow, I'm so grateful. Look at all of this abundance. And the more we do that, which is the ironic thing, the more we bring gratitude for what we have, we usher in more to be grateful for. So we actually manifest more without trying. And then the last piece is this idea that you are enough right now. Like you don't have to be more, you don't have to accomplish more, you don't have to prove more, that what would it be like if you could rest in your enoughness? that you are completely designed perfectly for this moment now. And we would say like, I think that's the biggest shift we witness is self-confidence. This, this like, wow, I'm actually okay. That I'm not so alone. I'm not so freaking crazy. I'm not the only one stressed out or having my life fall apart or being on a journey that I want to create more and share more. So I would say the confidence piece, feeling enough, being rather than doing that old adage that like we're human beings, not human doings, that would be probably the biggest shift I think that lights us up is seeing people see their own light. Jeff, how would you answer that question? What's the biggest change you see in witness? I think that's great. The only thing I think I'd add or underline is this idea of connectedness connectedness to the people in the class, connectedness to your own purpose and connectedness to the world around you. And 
And you can measure it in calm. I mean, you can feel the nervous energy night one. Nobody knows anyone else there. It's like they knew they signed up for something different, but they're not really sure what to expect. They're glad they're going to have a glass of wine. Like everybody's dreading the icebreaker. It's like there's a lot of nervous energy, people quoting their resumes. And by the last day, like you can feel the calm. You can feel the conversations are deeper. They're more sedate. The laughter seems more genuine. You know, there's a lot of tears, a, a lot of joy, a lot of basic emotions. And, you know, nobody looking at the things you wanted to ask about or that you're researching, it's not specifically focused on environmental sustainability. I think it's fair to say it's focused on soul sustainability, on soul rejuvenation. And our belief is that that is the precursor to all the things that you're studying. Nobody gets to the top of the mountain when we go on a hike and says, I feel so alone. You know, nobody looks at the ocean and says, I'm, I've been abandoned. It's just, it's just not the emotions that the beauty of the natural world evoke in us. And we definitely are using that as a tool. We would not be able to do this in a boardroom in downtown Chicago. You know, we wouldn't even try. So nature is pulling a huge assist or is really doing the work. We're just kind of pointing to it. So that, so I love that point, Jen, and I just kind of say connectedness, calm. And our hope is that that inspires people to live with intention. You know, that doesn't always mean making a lot of changes. It might mean stopping change for the sake of change, but just living more purposely, living more mindfully, being more aware of what they're doing and why and and the the kind of chain of dominoes that that are or we would say the ripples that our our lives create. Great. Touching on environmental versus soul sustainability, what changes if any do you notice in sustainability awareness within participants as they complete your program? Well, beyond the, you know, the efforts of trying to be sustainable ourselves with recycling and making sure that we're being mindful of the tools and utensils and plates and that kind of thing, um, we give everybody water bottles and coffee mugs to refill their waters and not have single use plastic and that's kind of just given we do, it is an all kind of inclusive retreat. So we, Sierra Hayes, our manager of experience does a wonderful job of curating meals from locally sourced restaurants and it's, or, you know, healthy and mostly organic, like just really nourishing food. Going back to awareness, I think one of the, I think the subtleties without speaking directly to it is part of being a conscious leader, raising our own consciousness. And, and we're all part of that path of as we lead, we're learning to of, of just up-leveling, expanding our awareness and attunement to ourselves, nature, and all the cues that come in that help to create that connectivity that Jeff is talking about. We talk about insights that disappear to come out of the blue. Well, you're kind of connected to the divine or whatever the mastermind or the universe or whatever term you use, like we're all part of the same thing and mother earth and nature. It has such an incredible song to sing 
and we miss it a lot. We totally ignore it. We take it for granted. So part of our outdoor experientials sometimes are silent hikes in nature. And we will cue the, our participants to notice, notice the bird song, notice the random animal that comes across your path. And we have extensive training in animal medicine and like so when a deer pop, you know crosses the path well that represents gentleness and or you know just whatever symbols come in as metaphors but being in right relationship with it what is the gift why am i seeing it a hawk flies above like messenger of spirit of what is that t- talking to me it's not a random event like what if it had connection and that attunement to notice the sounds of construction as we're going through this beautiful meandering hike up to the top of the mountain as a metaphor for what is our highest possibility what could be on offer and literally demonstrating and using limiting thought like how we can't really see the forest through the trees if you will but when we get far above we can see multiple forests right that expansive view so part of it is cueing people to notice the things that have always been around right that we just kind of tune out we we don't hear the bird song or we're not attuned to the temperature or the air coming through and when we can do that in nature it it's such a great metaphor for leading ourselves and leading others because we're more aware of the interoperability the connection that the divine kind of hand in synchronicities and symbols that help us along our path. Yeah, can I just can I just add? I love all of that, and I'd say I, what it occurs to me as you're talking, Jen, is we are so used to as in in the culture we all have grown up in of we engineer the environment. That's what modern humanity does. We build farms, we build roofs, we build centralized heat. We have coats that keep us warm. We have rain jackets that wick off the moisture. Like we totally engineer the environment. We've lost a lot of people, especially people in urban environments, have lost the ability to even see how it works the other way. The environment is engineering us all the time. And like a very easy example we use. So one of the lantern sessions is always over summer solstice. So we we talk about the solstice and what it means. And again, like it's not the solstice, it's not the first day of summer because it was on the calendar. It's like it's the first day of summer because of how the earth, how this huge body moves without any of us doing anything about it. And we'll, we'll talk about the full moon and people will kind of roll their eyes. And it's like the moon actually is big enough to move oceans, you know, to move oceans 10 feet in a day. And you think it doesn't impact you. So again, I think it's an example of kind of how split we are from the world that we live in, that we don't even think about the opposite. A big storm is like an inconvenience, not enough snow. It's like, oh, we can't go skiing. The environment is engineering us all the time. And it's not always our role to rebel against that or to, or to push against that. Sometimes, and I think that particularly with the kind of the calamities we're living through, there's a lot of instances of, you know, nature raising her hand and saying, like, are you paying attention to me? And so I think that is an important, again, I don't know how explicit it is in every class, but that's definitely an important idea we're trying to get to is your, again, you're part of this world 
that that means you belong here, but it also means you have to interact and you're inner interoperable with all these other forces. And they're not all human forces, by the way. Most of the forces aren't human forces at all. There's all these other things going on in the world around us. Great. And to what degree do you observe participants are able to translate what they learn in lantern retreats into their broader surroundings and maybe into their workplace or organizations? Yeah, it's really fun. I think we're we're seeing more integration as we, you know, there's nothing that lights us up than building really wonderfully authentic long-term relationships. And that is an outcome that we get to participate with, um, with many of the Lantern grads. We get a lot of reflection on people meditating more. So part of Lantern is introducing or maybe continuing people's practice and and breaking the stigma that meditating necessarily has to be with your eyes closed, sitting in a room, you know, they're meditating when we go outside on a walk, or sometimes you're in a meditative state when you're driving, when you're not thinking and the subconscious takes over, but we love leading guided meditations. Jeff is a beautiful musician and has written music to my ability to channel words and And so we co-create what those look like to help people really drop in from their head to their hearts, helps to get to a deeper, juicier, authentic truth of what is on offer for our lives and for our businesses. We do the same thing for the corporate work that we do. So I would say that we see people kind of introducing and getting more into using mindfulness tools. And that's just one. The principles, the four lights of conscious leadership, we call it, we hear being revisited. And that really, we go deeper in at Lantern 2, where we really talk about the idea of the light. And so Lantern, the metaphor, literally is, a you can think about it as a lantern. And we talk about that a leader is a light. So we're a light for ourselves. We're a light for others. We can shine that. We can dim it. You know, but first and foremost, a leader is a light. The second is that the light is always on. So no matter how crappy we feel in a given day, if our mood drops, we wake up on the wrong side of the bed or not feeling it, our light is still there. Like it is always on and it comes with us wherever we go. The third light is the idea that if you hold the lantern right above you, it only illuminates what's right around you. And if we can create more awareness of what is in this space of showing up to what shows up and being available, connecting the dots, seeing the synchronicities and signs, noticing when someone calls us out of the blue, listening to that hunch, whatever is like right in this illuminated space, it takes the pressure off of us having to figure out the plan that is going to go to shit anyway in three years or one year where something kind of hijacks it, right? And it takes the pressure off for us to just really practice being present and bring our presence to what is showing up. And the last light is this idea that there's a larger light guiding you. So whatever you name that to be, whether you call it God or nature or Buddha or Jesus Christ or the universe or nature herself, that there is something bigger that we're a part of. And what would it look like if we were connected and divinely held and 
and, and guided by this light, protected, a feeling of safety. If we could tune in and tap into that, that that is within us and it's within all sentient beings, all animals, all life forms. So we hear a lot of people when they leave, they come back to one of those touchstones of light, the light, particularly the light that you know, you only have to see what's right around you is kind of a game changer. It just takes the pressure off of this construct and pressure that we have to have a strategic plan. We have to be future seers. We have to know where we're going. We have to have a goal and a vision. And it, we feel like, okay, this is a, this, this is actually a sustainable platform or principle because people are using it far beyond their time at Lantern when life shows up. Jeff, what would you add to that? <laughs> I think you I think you nailed it. You nailed it. Amazing. Have your participants reported any significant professional change after going through? Oh yeah. There's just so I mean it's it's hard to market it this way, but we have a lot of people quitting their jobs. <laughs> A lot of people come in and quit their jobs. I think a lot of, and probably just as many get reinvigorated, find a new way. A lot of people are. Or fire their clients. <laughs> yeah, fire their clients. I, I think that. people, you know, we're, we're kind of deliberately writing for the person who's, who's already gone through something that, that they're, they're waking up, right? They know that something, there's more out there for them or something doesn't quite fit. So we just, that's who we're designing for. And, and so we get a lot of people saying afterwards, wow, I just took a different, I reconnected with my spouse. I got a divorce. I left my job. I took the promotion, just big changes like that. But we do get, you know, we don't track these and I wish we did because I would love to share this with you. But I think just as much to what Jen's pointing to, we get people just saying, I feel calmer. You know, I just, I enjoy life more. There's not as many like highs and lows, like just the, I've kind of elevated where I'm at and that feels good. You know, that resonates. There's, there's always kind of peaks and valleys. The idea is like to lift, lift the overall level, you know, it's kind of uh, well-being psychology. And I do know that we do that because um, people, people tell us that. Great insights. From your observations, I know you've mentioned, you talked about some different types of activities like a silent hike and meditation. Were there any activities you can kind of pinpoint or you've found to be most impactful for participants? Yes. One we really can't speak about because it's a kind of a secret, big crescendo moment. So you'll have to come to experience it. We have... And I won't give it totally away because it's, it just feels so sacred that I think if you knew about it, <laughs> it kind of sets up barriers, if you will, and expectations. But we have so many exercises and using nature again, it has been such an opening of this space and place for people to explore and connect. We talk about presence and what that is. And it's one of the model that we use in Lantern has seven P's for plenty, passion, purpose, possibility, presence, people, and practice. And the presence piece is 
we believe it's your superpower. We all have it. It's, it's what Jeff's talking about. It's, it's really our soul. It's the energy that we leave behind when we leave a room. It's the impression we make in a conversation. Are you going to leave this conversation today and feel like it was worth your time and feel more uplifted and connected to your own truth because of our dialogue and because of just showing up? So presence goes beyond what you're saying, what you're doing. It's literally the energy, the impact, the impression that we give. And so we talk a lot about bringing more awareness to that intentionally because conscious leadership is about intentionally choosing how you show up. So sometimes we are so unconscious about the energy we bring in or our predetermined thoughts that are already coming made up about a person before we even, you know, listen to what they have to say. So we have an exercise that is really helping people and we do this blindfolded where they're sensing themselves and then with guidance and facilitation and kind of not a meditation, but visualization, we have them attuned to another person that is in front of them. And there's another stage that I won't reveal, but when we can tune people to look beyond form, to really see and sense the space that we are, that that soul, that being, that presence, what happens after what that kind of little module, (laughs) you know, people are hugging, they're crying, and there has been zero words exchanged. But they're in this incredible connection of energy, of human to human beingness, of this soul to soul connection. And um, it changes people. It's it's it changes it changes how you look at yourself, and it changes how you look at another. So I would say, without revealing too much, um, that's one of several kind of other tools that we use that feels very fun and impactful. Yeah, I'd, I'd add one that we've referred to, which is on one of the days we we do a hike on a trail up a mountain, and we're you know where Jen lives. There's a lot of inventory and opportunity and it's all lovely and i think we learned a few things like one it's not a perfect hike like ideally you know you can hear trucks like jen referred to you can kind of see it the street there's buildings and things and yet no one's once noticed that that's not what people notice like they don't notice the encroachment of humanity they notice the nature that's there that's still ever present that we just kind of covered up and that I think is a really powerful metaphor. The other thing I'd say, or two other things I'd say about it, people come to us with all different skill levels and experience outside and athletic competence. And like, we have people who live most of the year in Costa Rica and like completely off the grid. And we have people who live in Manhattan, right? And like Central Park is nature to them. And it's really interesting to just like nature meets everybody where they are. You know, it just is. We have people super worried that it's going to be too difficult and people who wanted to run another 10 miles. And yet everyone gets something from that. And I think that's powerful, too, that like nature is this eternal giver in whatever state she's in. 
The last thing I'd share is when we get to the top, we we do a reflection. We have give people time to just be there. And there's a lot of quiet time without curriculum, which is new for people, right? They're used to being really programmed. And we come back and we ask people to draw a picture. And you know, when you're up there, it's this vista, it's this beautiful mountain range. And depending on the season, it's you know, fall colors or winter snow. It's it's breathtaking all the time. And you would think that when we ask people to draw, you're gonna get like 20 pictures of the mountain. Like you just kind of think like people are just going to draw what they saw. But Jen does a meditation. We get people in their group. We get people in their heart. And the the pictures that come out are always so varied. And they're inspired by the same view, but they're really, really different depending on what people are feeling and what they felt and what they're processing. So there's this kind of ongoing teaching that, like nature, nature is a silent teacher, right? Is as one of our clients likes to say, and the beauty is all around. And when you're stuck, get outside and just like reconnecting with that part that is organic in us, that isn't engineered by Apple, I think is a huge lesson. And we do hear people reflecting that back to us all the time. Yeah. I would just offer one other exercise that in the spirit of how we use nature, one of the first points is passion. And we use it as a term for what you care about and why you care about it. So if you can think about all the values-based work we do in business and organizational change and growth, like it's always like, what are your values? Like values, mission, vision, like we need to have it. So this is our term for passion, like values essentially is what you care about deeply. And we would say passion is you can't architect it. It's naturally in you. Right. And so it enlivens you, it calls you forward. And so in that passion exercise, we ask people to go outside as Jeff mentioned earlier in the conversation and take a picture of something that represents what you're passionate about your passion. And It's so fun to see using metaphor and they take pictures of different symbols, right? And how that then translates into what they care about. We use a mirroring and partnering exercise that we're literally retraining and teaching people how to listen to each other. And we have the the pod mates track what words they're using to explain the symbol of nature, that represents their passion. And then we ask them to go beyond just the word. So you may have picked up a sense, a feeling, write that down, right? And then at the end of that experience, the participant gets all those words back and kind of shared and mirrored back. And there's like 50 sticky notes of words of like values of what they care about. And they go through an exercise of inquiry of, do I really care about this? What's the grouping? What's the themes that come out? And then it can concretize into, you know, three to five, we ask them to pick of these values that really are authentic to their life journey and their work. So it is, we're, call, we're using nature at every step of the way. Some's more obvious and blatant, but, you know, it's something we all can do every day better is how do we come into more right relationship with this beautiful planet and being that we get to be a part of. Amazing. Yeah. A lot of what you're touching on is making me also reflect upon a leading in complexity course that a lot of us have grown to love in our program. And 
it teaches us to also slow down and practice different leadership skill development, such as mindfulness and other skills you can work on each learning period. Um, yeah, very, very intrigued and very interested in becoming a participant of a lantern retreat. You've spoken a lot about different aspects of your role as a facilitator. Is there anything else you might want to add as how you view your role of a facilitator? Or I think you've also touched on it quite a bit in different ways. We use the word mirror a lot. We use the word reflect a lot. I think when we're doing our best work, there's little editorial. It's knowing when to editorialize, knowing when to add a little bit of content. We've told you more content in 50 minutes than probably we share in three days. Like there's a lot of showing. There's kind of le- like posing a question, what if, and then letting the group figure it out. And I think when we're doing our job, you know, we're a perfect reflective service and people are seeing themselves kind of in a new way. And once in a while we're saying, eh, you know, you're not as distorted as you think you are. Like you're, oh, you might, you might not be seeing what's, what's fully there, but like the more we get people to make those connections, a lot of the points that we've brought up, we wait for the participants to bring up, like we'll, we'll pose an exercise and then they'll say it back and we'll say, yeah, what about that? That's fascinating. What do you think about that? And that letting people be their own teacher sometimes is, is so valuable. It's not always easy because <laughs> we like talking, but it's powerful. And I think that's, that's part of our role is, and I'm, and I'm proud of that, you know, going into season eight, I think of Lantern. Jen, I think if you had taped us in 2016, the amount of talking we did versus now, and it gets better every time by trusting the, our own process and trusting the environment and trusting that the right things will come out when they need to. And some classes, certain points that never get mentioned. And we're like, oh yeah, we never, that never came up. But the right things come up for the group that's, that's in the room, right? That's part of trusting the complexity is like when things get complex, you, you trust a few things again and again, instead of trying to engineer all of it. So that feels present to me. Yeah, I would add we're guides. We guide the conversation. We help to hold the container and create sacred space. We deeply listen and we model what that looks like because that's when we're at our best, when we can not only deeply listen to the wisdom in the room, but we deeply listen to our own intuition of connecting the dots. And that is the field of juiciness. Like we love playing in that place. We speak from experience. So I think we are less and less interested in telling. And as Jeff said, showing, but sharing from our authentic learnings that it's not hypothesized. It's not you know, something we've read about and we're applying. The way Lantern even came about, and we use the same model for our strategic planning process for companies and organizations. It downloaded to us because we were using somebody else's model. And it was like, no, this is not like, there's something more here. We have such shared experience and leadership and strategy. What feels authentic based on what we've lived and grown through. So we're constantly practicing with the participants and learning more about ourselves, learning about our co-leadership evolving right along with everybody in the room. And I think we're modeling what it looks like to be real, present, 
as best we can, you know, in the moment, sharing from our own lived experience. It's not hypothesized, but we're guiding. We are facilitating the conversation to ensure that there's a sacred space where people can go deeper and drop in to their own truth and wisdom. And that's our role with our clients and our leadership attendees. Wonderful. I think we're at the end of our questions. Tina, is there anything else you want to add or ask? Well, first of all, thank you so much. It was really insightful and interesting to hear, yeah, from your experiences. Um, just very quickly, only if you have like five more minutes, I would be interesting um, just from your expertise, how you see the overall landscape. Um, just in general, um, let's say we choose the term nature connection. Do you think more organizations and in the US or in your I don't know, in Utah, in your surroundings, work more with that? Or there is, is there a change in this landscape? That's just for, for us in general, because, yeah, we, it's, I think it's really hard to tell this from our research perspective, like how, the, how evolved is that concept already in, in the overall landscape? I'm going to sound snotty and say I don't think very. I think there seems to be like tourism and kind of retreats and escapism is very different than what we're trying to do, which is like checking you back in. And just in general, this sounds really arrogant to say, but there's this like fast food, fast food kind of well-being that mm -hmm. that's really trendy. Like everything, mindfulness is now an app, and like just check and like we're gamifying everything. And I think what we're trying to say is like no real connection actually. It can happen with spirit like instantaneously. And it's wonderful if you can get outside for two minutes, but we're trying to go deeper than that and, and ask you to be an in inquiry with how you live and what your purpose here is. And that, that's not something that you do in a half hour. And, mm -hmm. and I think right now, like big business has time for, you know, half hour things. And we're going to post, we're going to hire one person of color for DEI. And we're going to like, give to, you know, one charity for our sustainability efforts. And I, mm -hmm. I, so I think we're still at the infancy, but I, Jen, I'd love to hear your answer to that question. Because my hope is that people are, are leaning into it, but I feel like we're at the front of that right now. Yeah, I would agree. I think what comes to me is like, there's so many corporate like traditional leadership retreats, for example, that let's just take the leadership arena, forget like the business corporate retreats, but that tell you what to do to be a better leader. Our approach is so different. It's like, no, we're going to help you remember who you are. Like we're going to help you remember to be. And what is that beingness that you already have? You don't have to learn more because that's covered. And what occurs to me is like that old model of like, let's rent a hotel room and let's get a conference center. And we do need meeting spaces, but it feels so outdated. The people, you know, people are burnt out. They are exhausted. You know, like we are being, everybody's being asked to do so much more personally and professionally. And so my hope is that more and more people will start to authentically curate an integrative approach, not only of outside nature, beauty and sustainability and inside, you know, development, but 
everything from the masculine to the feminine and how we integrate intuition and intellect, the intellect, like all of spirituality and, and, and business, for example, as Jeff was sharing, there's so much more on offer to tap into. And we've commoditized what it looks like to kind of be on a retreat or to do development and, it's safe and it is old. It just is old. We are growing past it. We are talking with a conference leader and helping a client assess the membership of a nonprofit kind of organization of what the members want to see in a conference. And, you know, some people can't even remember the last, the content you know, that was any different from all the other conferences they went to. And we also have this, like the same speakers are speaking every single year. It's like that model that we like want to like pinch ourselves. It just is so old. And so our hope is that by modeling and more other companies will start to integrate, more people will say, hey, I want this part, not just an add-on yoga session, not just the ability to do a retreat on a beach, like make it holistic because I'm holistic. Like I have so many different preferences. And lastly, I would say not only with nature, but we need more space. We need more space. Everybody needs more space to get off the grind to get off the hamster wheel, to get off the perpetual kind of doing, because that's where nature is at her best, right? When there's space, plants grow, when we have sunlight and trees can be in harmony with one another, they can blossom and not encroach on one another. That's the same thing with us as human beings. And so I think our desire is to see more and more of this coming to be in right relationship with our environment and the beauty that nature gives us every day. But I don't think we're there yet. Great. Uh, Yeah. I also, I don't think I've had a chance yet to thank you two both so much. I feel also so much more calm and more present again in this moment after speaking with you both. It's been a very interesting last few weeks as we're now really getting into our thesis process and realizing what's, you know, what's coming up ahead. And it's this pivotal moment of life of what, what are we doing next? And I've felt pretty lost career-wise since my bachelor's degree and what corporate America teaches you to, you know, your pace of life and everything else. So it's really, really nice to hear leaders like yourself, facilitators of these type of programs and retreats doing this kind of work and teaching us to take a step back and realize this holistic approach to life is really what we all need. Thanks for tuning in. Join the conversation and learn more at plentyconsulting.com.